Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Mezcal, Oaxaca, and so much more. It's really a pleasure that I get to share this interview with you finally. Some years ago, I conducted a series of interviews when I was in Oaxaca, traversing much of the state itself. But one of the places, the most magical place potentially I've ever been to, called Santa Catarina Abaradas. And that is where Maestro Mezcalero Alberto Martinez makes clay distilled mezcal from Sierra Negra, Tobala, and Habili, some other kinds of varietals from time to time. And so I'm out at this Palenque, thanks to Jason Cox from Cinco Sentidos, who's doing the translation here. Beautiful place. And I would like to say that potentially no podcaster, quote unquote, has been out to this Palenque and conducted an interview like this. And there's a longer story about me sharing some distillate with Alberto and his son-in-law as well, which is if you ever see me in a bar, it's a great story. Not someday I'll try to write about it. So without further ado, I cannot wait for you to check out this interview with Maestro Mezcalero, Alberto Martinez. So yet, Jason, you take me to another beautiful place where we were above the clouds earlier and there's bananas growing there's all this agave just had a beautiful mule and this palenque it's just incredible i mean it's like the height of privilege for me here being out here but it's my first time to santa catarina abaradas and i'm curious you know what's alberto what's the history of distillation in this town buenas tardes uh, good afternoon. I'm going to tell you some brief stories about how we started this job that we work, that we do. Well, at the age of about 12 years old, I began to work with my dad to start making harvest of tobala in the mountains. And after that, through the years, we began to harvest esparin, again, mostly with my dad. And from there, I began learning, little by little, until I reached the age of 20. At that point, I wanted to make my own batch. So I started harvesting my own agave in the hills, where I'd find Tobala, Esparin, Sierra Negra. But in those years, we used to only make ensambles. We mixed the agaves we would find, we roast them together, we mashed them together. And at the time, we didn't realize what flavor the mezcal really had, with three or four different species of agave. And that's how we did it for a long time. Now, in 2014, we began to separate the agaves. We distilled tobala on its own, esparin on its own, sierra negra on its own, and jabalí on its own. And that's how we began to learn how to distill jabalí which nowadays, mezcal made from jabalí, well, it's pretty famous. 
but it's just been recent that we've began to separate agave species. Now we no longer mix them together, we separate the species we work with. And that's how we do it nowadays. So, working with your father, harvesting agave, you make your first batch when you're 20. Did you know that you wanted your flavors to be different? Did you want them to follow in the style of your father? Or was it an opportunity for you to go out on your own and truly use your creativity and passion to make your kinds of batches? Yeah, yes, that's, that's precisely, well, the question here, at the age of 30, I now felt I knew how to make mezcal. We had no market, we had nowhere to sell it. So I was interested in someday having my product make it to Oaxaca City, to other states and the Republic, and maybe to other countries. But at that time, that was just a dream. It was a dream I had from the age of 30 until the age of 40. You know, back then there was a lot of agave because mezcal was cheap. And there was a lot of mezcal. But 20 years ago, people began harvesting a lot of Sierra Negra, a lot of Esparin, and those plants started to disappear. So 10 years ago, we didn't have the plants. Started dedicating more time planting agave, working the fields, in order to secure the raw material that we would need from mezcal production in the future. So I've been sipping your mezcales for some years now, and there's this beautiful element to them that I've never tasted before in other mezcales. It's light, it's fruity, it doesn't taste like it's been distilled in clay pots. What do you think are the unique characteristics of your mezcal that maybe where this beautiful area that we are kind of provide? Well, I say yes, because, and let me take a step back. When I was young, every day I learned what my dad taught me. My dad learned from my, what my grandparents taught him. Now we are the fourth generation producers. And in this moment, up to this date, we haven't changed the type and system of work that they taught us. When we roast, we use acacia leaves. And that gives a special flavor to the mezcal. And the piña, it needs to be good, tightly shaved, so as to not to have a bad flavor. And another thing, when we distill, we use spring water. Those factors, they help us maintain the flavor and aromas that up to this point, we continue to enjoy. Yeah, there's just such unique parts of the process and I think it yields beautiful flavor that is very reminiscent, reminiscent of how beautiful this place is. Something I found interesting as I've talked more with Jason about the production here is there's a common use of a tree bark called tepawaje. And is this an ingredient that's been used for generations as well? And why is it used for fermentation? Well, we use tepehuaje because it helps us in the fermentation of our fermenting tanks. 
Cuando es espadín, eh, when it's espadín or sierra negra, we use the pawaje. And when it's tobala or jabalí, we use the bark of a tree called encino de agua. But that's not the only factor. It's also important. How are the agaves? Are the agaves mature? Are we harvesting them at the right time? And how are we roasting them? And when we open the oven, we take care to make sure that there's not no dirt on the agave, making sure that we cook the agave so it's sweet, so it has enough sugar to distill it. The oven that we use, the type of oven we use is a conical oven made of dirt, and we use river rocks uh, to, to cook with. Now that you know, you've been doing this work for years, and there are batches of yours in New York, California, Texas, hundreds upon hundreds of people are enjoying the mezcal that you've made. How do you feel about that? Does that feel like growth? Does that make you feel proud? Sí, me alegra bastante. Yes, I'm really happy to have my product in other countries because really that was my dream. It was a project that I've had. The idea advanced the, pro the product in order to advance my family as well. It feels like the demand for mezcal in general and the demand for your mezcal is growing and growing. Do you see any issues with the growth and do you have any concerns about your ability to keep up with demand? Well, yes. Nowadays, Mezcal has a path to market, and it makes us happy to advance this product. But nowadays, we're working with the intention. Nowadays, agaves are harder to find, and we're worried about that, because people come here and they ask us for mezcal all the time, but we don't always have agave. That's why all of our family, we're putting a lot of efforts into planting agaves so we can have more mezcal in four, five, six years in the future and to continue selling our mezcal in the United States. Yeah, there's a huge replanting effort for agaves, and I know you work with Espadín, Javali, and Sierra Negra mostly, and Tobala. Tell me a little bit more about what you've planted and maybe did you plant more Sierra Negra? Very, very well known in this region. Is it more Espadín? What were your thoughts on which type of agaves you should plant and how much? Well, up to this date, we've planted a bit, uh, some 5,000 Esparines on different pieces of land. Some of them are ready to be harvested for production, and in other lands, they're about two years away from harvest. Sierra Negra, we planted a bit, maybe 1,000. That was just last year, two years ago. But now we have 5,000 Sierra Negra in our nursery. And possibly in the next rainy season, we'll be able to transplant it to our land. And the same with Tobala. We have about 4,000 Tobala, some of them which are ready to be harvested for production now. And the Havali, it takes a long time to grow, but we have about 2,000 plants in the nursery, and a few of those have been planted in the land as well. And we're hoping that in the coming years, we'll have a good product from this planting. Yeah, something I'd heard about your work for some time is that you're really concerned about planting the agave, making sure that you have it. How do you feel about other regions not using mature agave, taking too many for far less product 
Does that concern you? Or does the work you do here mean more and ensure that you won't have any problems making mezcal? Well, I'm going to use the agave we are planting because it means a lot to see the plants when you harvest them. I tell my family, let's try and work a bit more in planting more plants, more tobala, more javali, Sierra Negra, and Esperin, so we don't have to buy agave from other villages or other regions. Because sometimes people come here and the quality of the agave varies a lot, which changes the distillation. When agaves come from a different climate or they're cut a different way, maybe they're using some type of chemicals, it's just not the same versus having our own plants, selecting what we want as opposed to just having to use agave that arrives to us. Yeah, I think it's a big factor in being able to control the quality is that you have those raw materials yourself. Many producers don't have that ability. So as you get older, as we all do, as maybe there are more civic responsibilities that you take on in town here, do you feel like the future of your mezcal, as I know your son-in-law is going to take more responsibilities, but you feel like it's in good hands and you're moving in the right direction just in case you want to set off into retirement? Well, yes. And we are all proud of being able to sell a little bit of mezcal that we produce. But now... Like all work, one gets tired. But my daughters are here. My son-in-law is here. I have my sons. And that's why I tell my wife, we have to keep planting. Because maybe in the future I won't be able to harvest. But my sons and my grandsons, they'll be able to work. And they'll be able to do it exactly how we do today. But in the years that are coming. Yeah, it's amazing. It sounds like the way in which you work and carrying that forward to the rest of the family, there'll be great mezcal for years to come. You know, when we're driving up here, there's a lot of talk of a music festival that's going to be happening. So tell me more about what this music festival is as the town prepares. And are you going to play tuba? Are you going to participate in the musical festival? Yes, uh, we have our patron saint festival tomorrow. Here in Santa Catarina Barradas, we celebrate the 24th, 3rd, 24th, and 25th of November this year in 2021. So, we'll be there with the band, we'll be there with the authorities, we'll have a fun time. There'll be rodeo, there'll be a dance, there'll be a parade, and there will be a mass for the Santa Catarina Barradas Virgin. You're all, and you're all cordially invited to participate with us. Sounds like an amazing time. This is a beautiful place. It's been a pleasure sitting here and having lunch and sipping beautiful mezcal with you. So I've got one last question, and I don't get a chance to ask this often when I'm in Oaxaca. But let's say you can have an Esperin Capon with anybody, living or deceased. Who might you like to sit down with and have a drink and conversation with? Well, it's, it's been a pleasure to chat with you and share my mezcal with you. And even though we're here in the Palenque, people are able to hear me and taste our mezcal anywhere. Esparin Capón, Sierra Negra, 
les, les guste. And I wish more than anything that people enjoy it, that they feel comfortable reaching out to us, visiting us, and that more and more people every day can enjoy Mezcal. Well, I'm sure they will. If you keep making this incredible distillate, I'm going to keep enjoying it. I'm going to keep sharing it with others. Again, it's been such a pleasure to be out here with everybody, and hopefully we'll do this again soon. There are not many places I've been to on the earth that are this beautiful. And every time I sip this mezcal in the future, I will always think about this moment here, chatting with you, and I will never forget that. Thank you so much for chatting. I hope to see you soon. Pues sí, este, muchas gracias por estar acá. And thanks, thank you for being with us in the Palenque and interviewing me. Probando unos mezcales. Tasting some mezcals. También, este, vuelvo a mencionar que también tenemos el mezcal. We also make mezcal, sometimes that are fermented in rawhide. And we distill our mezcal in 100% clay pot stills. And we use casos or hats made of stainless steel. We mash our cooked agave with wooden mallets in small tanks right here in the Palenque. And that's really important. It's a part of history. To remember and honor our forefathers, the maestro mezcaleros of the generations past, who always in the past worked with rawhide to ferment with and to distill their mezcals in, in clay pot stills. Well, there we have it. Maestro Mezcalero Alberto Martinez, one of the producers for Cinco Sentidos, using clay distillation for Tobala, I think is what we're drinking here in the town of Santa Catarina Auraras. Beautiful drive up there. It was so clear in the clouds. I mean, it's kind of this weird paradox, right? But it's clear, but there's also these clouds and you kind of traverse through it. If you've had the opportunity, the altitude's quite high up there when you're driving into that town. It was a pleasure to be at that Palenque, to eat, to drink, to share it, Destilados. And Jason Cox, thank you so much for doing the translation. Thank you for providing the transportation. And for those of you who would like a copy of this interview without the translation, if you're a native Spanish speaker, by all means, reach out on any of the networks, Instagram, Facebook, etc. And I'll gladly provide a copy for you so you can listen to it unabridged, I suppose you could say. So I've got a few more of these interviews from Maestro Mezcaleros coming out in the next few weeks now that I've found a great person to help me edit through Fiverr. If you have not used Fiverr before, I am not getting paid to say this, but it is a great network of people doing freelance work. Sometimes I don't have the time to do all this audio editing, and I found a great guy named Julio that is in Venezuela and really going to help. So these interviews will be coming out post-haste now. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what kinds of movies you're trying to find on Tubi when the weather is in the 20s in Austin, Texas, or if you're thinking, when am I going to get to writing again? Please keep dancing. <laughs>